From Orms, this is Orms Air, where we unpack and investigate the compelling questions at the forefront of our creative community's consciousness. Joined by the artists, photographers, and creators, brave enough to step up to the mic and join us in discussion. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Orms Air, the Orms podcast. Today, we are joined in studio by the wonderful Lindsay Apollos, professional photographer and artist, as well as Fujifilm ambassador. Welcome, Lindsay. So happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. Okay, cool. Let's actually just jump straight in with uh, all of the questions that we've prepared. Like Lindsay was saying to me on the way here, there seems to be like a thousand of them. So <laughs> we're going to go through the it's nice and quickly not even a date or like a drink no nothing just straight straight in with a thousand questions this is how it works (laughs) so on your uh your website's about page you actually describe yourself as a self-taught photographer and i wanted to kind of unpack that and your creative beginnings just a little bit um so what what drew you to photography in the first place and when did that kind of start kicking off for you so if i think back to my first sort of visual experiences it has to be sitting in my lounge at home watching television Mm. Um, and the cinema always drew me and so watching you know these space things or cowboys or whatever it was at the Mm. time I was watching it was like like I loved just watching that and when I would go outside and play in the street I kind of saw the world in a very similar way and Mm. I thought like this, there's something about this that like it intrigues me, interests me, and I, I, I want more of this. Mm. And I think that initially is the thing that kind of drew me towards photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's sort of like cinematic world, which makes a lot of sense to me now that you say that, because if I look at your images, even now, they have a sort of cinematic feel to them. It feels very like movie almost to yeah. me. Yes, absolutely. So, so it's a it's a case of, uh, if I can go back again. Mm. Uh, so when we were younger, we so uh, just to give you an idea of our set our, our Saturday, mm. we would wake up Saturday morning. Um, we'd go hang out in the like at the shop and play some games, and then in the afternoon we'd go to the cinema. Mm. Um, and we'd I think at the time it was like ten rand for two movies, and so we would that that's our Saturday every Saturday, mm. and it was like what we loved for. And watching that big screen, it was like, it was just mesmerizing. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it was an escape from like the mundane kind of existence or, and also the, the, so, cause we, we grew up on the Cape Flats and it was kind of rough out there mm. and it was an escape from that fast as well. And so it was nice to kind of just exist there and to, and live in that world for me. And I guess it stuck with me mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's had a, a impact on my style and how I shoot things, mm, mm, as you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. So then in terms of you being self-taught, right? So when, when did you actually start shooting and kind of then how did you go about teaching yourself photography? When I was just out of school, my father worked at the race course mm. um, as a camera or photographer for a publication called Computer Form. Mm-hmm. 
And computer form, if you've ever seen it, is like it's a strip photo of horses on like in the during the race. Um, and I needed a job, and he was like, "Cool, I'll, I can get your job here. You can be a photographer." Mm. And I was like, "Yeah, cool. I, I mean, like, I'd, I'd love that." Um, but I had absolutely no idea about a camera or what it does or how it works. Mm. And so what would happen is the manager uh, would give us a, he would set the camera for us every single time then say, cool, here's your camera for the day. You kind of look at the most medium for like sort of uh, settings on the camera and we'd shoot that for the day. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I started shooting. But it's actually the thing that almost drove me away from photography because it wow. was it was boring. I mean, it's like the other the other horses go take the photo, sit around for another half an hour. The other horses come again, mm. take the photo, mm. sit around. And I was like, yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not loving this. Mm. I, I like the camera. I enjoy the camera, the actual camera itself, and looking through it was really cool. Mm. But I couldn't take any other photos beside these horses running. Yeah. So that almost kind of destroyed it a little bit. And then I didn't bother for many years. And then 10 years ago now, I bought a camera while on holiday. Mm. And I was like, cool, I have a camera now. I've wanted this for a very long time. Secretly, mm. I've want, been wanting to do this for a long time and I couldn't. Yeah. Now I can. And so I bought the camera, started taking photos of my son. And then I was like, I know what I want. I, mm. Like oftentimes we know what we want. We, we all have this creative instinct in us. And oftentimes we just don't know how to express it, how to tap into it. Yeah. And so I kind of look at it, okay, cool. The camera's doing, I, and I messed around with the settings and I said, cool. If this setting does this, now shot in one setting for a day, mm -hmm. change the setting, shot in another setting for a day, change ah. the setting, shoot in another setting for a day. So then I could see kind of the differences yes. uh, in what the settings were doing for the camera. Because I, at the time was too lazy to go and look it up or read the mm. manual because I'm a guy and mm. we are too lazy to look at the manual. Men don't like reading manuals. <laughs> they don't. It's very true. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to read that manual. It's way too thick. Mm. Uh, and so I just did that for a, for a while. It took me a little bit longer, mm. but then I kind of figured out what does what for me. Mm -hmm. And then I started to experiment with that mm. a little bit more. Mm. And, and that's kind of that's that process yeah that's actually a really excellent way of learning even though it maybe took you a little bit longer because you got that very practical very hands-on and very tactile in a way sort of introduction like you could see very distinctly what the differences were rather than just like reading about it in a book mm. it's very valuable i think yeah, well especially because I, I i had absolutely no understanding of the terminology for yes. photography i mean it, it was a case of me saying well you can tell me what i'm doing but i, I wouldn't understand it it's mm -hmm. just those are all just words to me. Yeah. So somebody once used the words composition. And I was like, <laughs> compo what? Like as in <laughs> as in like when you do English. Yeah. That thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, they were no. Mm. Composition is this. I was like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Huh? And so and so that form so for me it, it needed to be tactile, needed to be something that I was doing mm. practically so I could see and understand. Mm. Because I had come from no photography background at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. Then like maybe later on in your journey when you maybe started refining those technical skills, were there any resources that you kind of turned to that you found super helpful? Like were you on YouTube watching a lot of stuff or just reading blogs? Like what what did you look to? Yeah, so it was the, the, the advent of the internet was like the internet was full steam ahead. Mm -hmm. And so 
we had access to all these people sharing their skills and abilities. So one, it was YouTube. Mm. Anything, and I think it's a it's a case of like specifically looking for something that I wanted to do. So let's say I was going to shoot um, land on oh, landscapes. Uh, I was going to do architecture, mm -hmm. and then I'd go onto YouTube and watch. You know, what to look out for when shooting architecture, what your potential settings could be. Mm. Okay, cool. So then I know, okay, cool. And and th at this point, I'd already been shooting for a little bit. So I kind of knew what was what. And then I kind of sort of think, okay, cool. I wanted to do this. And then I go and experiment with this one thing. It's the same. Mm. And what I did with the camera was the same thing I did with my style in photography. Okay. I, I went through the process of going through different styles to see which is something that I love, mm. which I enjoy, uh, which I don't really like. And then I kind of worked on that all the way through. Mm, okay, so that same sort of like experimentation really came through with it, discovering your photographic style. Yeah, it was it was it was very important to me. And, and so what, what I used to do is while I was working, I would get up every weekend. So on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday morning, get up at four o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and go and shoot till eight o'clock in the morning. And then I'd come home and I'd see kind of what was what was happening. Mm, mm. Sure, four to eight in the morning, my word, <laughs> and some serious dedication. Well, yeah, but I think at, at the time I was so obsessed with it because I, I wanted to become better because I because there was something that I I really really enjoyed. I mm. I mean like I really enjoyed this. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a chore yeah. to get up at four in the morning um, because I would work in the week. And then when it got to the weekend, I was excited at the prospect mm. of getting up at four in the morning to find some interesting light, to find an interesting subject, to find something that I've not seen before. Mm -hmm. And because at that point, everything was new to me still. Yeah. So shooting was like, it was an adventure every single week. And so getting up was actually not a chore. It was something, it was pleasurable. It was something I wanted to do. Mm, mm. That's so true. I think when you, when you love something, it doesn't feel like work. It's just like, oh, yay, time to be creative. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, this was quite a quite a while ago, you know, 10, 10 years or so that you were saying. But um, can you remember any, like, really notable milestones that you took note of at the time during those sort of early stages of your photographic journey? Like, things that were quite significant to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I peaked early. Yeah. I mean, I peaked super <laughs> early. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, there was, there was, uh, so I probably been shooting for about two years. Mm -hmm. I'd quit my job. Um, and then I decided that I was going to travel. Um, and so I went to Tanzania. Mm. Um, I'd shot um, all around the country. I was working with an uh, NGO. Um, so we were traveling around the country shooting things. And when I got back, I had all of these, all these images, um, amazing images. I, and I'm, I'm amazing. I'm saying so myself, but I mm -hmm. think they're amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I got an email about a agency in like a, I think it was America at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were looking for, they were looking for an image, specific images for this competition they were running. And um, I kind of, and when they asked me for the, when they said, okay, cool, we've seen some of your work and we think that it could be, it leans towards what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Would you, would you want to submit to this competition? And I was like, eh, I, I was a bit iffy about it. I'm like, what, whatever guys, this sounds like, this sounds dodgy. Mm -hmm. um, but I had nothing to lose because I was just starting out. And I submitted the image and I think out of, so it is a worldwide competition mm -hmm. and out of like almost 2000 photographers, I'd won. That's crazy. How fantastic. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was like, and I, I won it, but, and, and, and I, I just, I got the email and they said like, you're, you're I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, 
Wait, what? And, and that's why I say I felt like I okay cool this is it was such a highlight for me this is yeah. it I've I've made it yeah I made it <laughs> look mom I made it yeah um and so yeah and so the image garnered a, a lot of acclaim for me um and and yeah yeah and and it, it got me a lot of other things as well yeah that's what I was gonna ask next is like did you find that that really opened a lot of like doors for you professionally. It didn't. It didn't. Mm. Um, so I guess the thing is, with with photography being so readily available to everybody, mm. um, you can produce an amazing image, and it can bring you a lot of acclaim. Um, but you need to be you need to be producing more images. Mm. And what I've learned is that consistency is yeah. is the most important thing. Everybody can produce a really great image once. Yeah, everybody. 100%. Everybody can do it. It's the case of going in and like week in, week out, making sure that you're able to do that yeah. for yourself, for clients. Mm. Over and over again. If you can't replicate, then it's meaningless. It's like a one-hit wonder. Yeah. 100%. I could not agree more. Um, you turned professional like a couple, well, I suppose you could say turned professional a couple of years ago. Um, you know, kind of leaving a very like long established job that you had in like the sort of corporate financial world, etc. But I'd really love to know... And kind of unpack that and find out like what eventually led you to the decision to like quit your traditional job and pursue photography full-time okay so we're gonna need some violence playing okay like little little violence and so it's, i can tell the story and so it's gonna get emotional <laughs> so just prepare yourself mm -hmm. so my son who is 12 now and he's also an artist mm -hmm. um was born and i was working in the financial services industry um, which I did not love. Mm. I, I didn't enjoy what I was doing, but it was a job. Mm. It I, I made money and I was able to sustain myself because of that. But I couldn't tell myself, or I couldn't tell my son, mm. your dad does this and I'm proud of it. So yeah. be proud of your dad because I do this. I, it's, it's, it, it, I, when I looked at him, I'm like, I want to feel proud of myself so you can be proud of me. Yeah, That's what it was. And so that's when the journey, so that's when the journey started for me to kind of, I, I went on a journey to figure out who I was and what, what, what the things, what, what are the things that kind of make me happy. Mm. And that's when I discovered photography when I bought the, cause in my head, they were always, I ventured through a few things. And I, and as I said earlier on, I actually did a, a, a interview to potentially be a radio DJ mm. as well, yes. because I'd gone kind of exploring down that avenues and I, and that's when I discovered photography as well in that and so it was because of him that I then decided that this is the thing that I'm going to do. I'm because I was the happiest I'd ever been. Mm. I was happy around him because I could photograph him. Yeah. And I could capture his moments. As a child, I have about 10 images of myself as a child. Oh, wow. And so I never wanted him to have that same mm. kind of experience. I wanted him to have memories of his childhood and so i was going to be the and, and but nobody else was going to do that for me so yeah. i had to capture those moments for him mm -hmm. and so the, the and that is the thing that kind of led me to to quitting mm -hmm. um to get me to that point where i was like i love this mm -hmm. it makes me happy i can look at him and be proud of myself i'm not sure i'm gonna make enough money <laughs> but yeah i am happy mm. i've never been happier uh than i am right now and so that's kind of what got me to there oh hey it looks like we've reached that point in the episode where we ask you to share Orm's Air with your friends. But seriously, 
If you are enjoying our discussions and being creatively enriched by the insights of our guests, it would be straight up fantastic if you would consider telling your community about our little podcast. If you would like to make your voice heard in future conversations, all you need to do is get in touch with us via one of our communication platforms. We accept DMs, inbox messages, tweets, emails, and even notes sent by Carrier Pigeon. So, don't be shy. Send your most burning creative requests, questions, and wonderings to any of our social channels, linked in the show notes of this episode. Yeah, that's that's really deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's very it's very interesting. I relate on a similar sort of level because I also before I went into a creative field, I also worked in finance. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh wow, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then exactly the same sort of thing like it was like a job, paid the bills, sorted, but like completely unfulfilling. I did not enjoy it. I didn't like telling people what I did. <laughs> because I'm like this is so so not exciting. Yeah. And yeah, picked up a camera, discovered video, set a photo, and here we are. Twinsies! Twinsies! <laughs> so it's, it's always very interesting for me when, when I hear about people like sort of leaving that sort of industry to pursue something in this erratic, crazy, creative side of things. Yeah, you know? yeah. Cause, and, and, and when I when I hear it now, when people say that that's what I want to do, I, I'm like, I'm all for it. I, I'm like, yes, go for it. Mm. Know that you're going to die. Yeah. But go for it. It's going to be hard, mm. but you know, you you can make it work. There are there are ways to do that. Um, I mean, tell tell me a bit more about that process of actually like leaving okay. corporate and stuff. Like, how how was that experience for you? Was it like scary, exciting, combination of both? What was the vibe? It was absolutely scary. Yeah, it, it was the scariest thing because I didn't. I wasn't thinking about quitting my job when I mm. been working there. It wasn't something that had kind of like when I started out because I I was working seven years or maybe mm. at that point sure. and i know i thought that cool i'm kind of stuck here now this mm. is what i'm going to be doing for the next until i retire and so i i, I didn't really made major savings i mm. haven't really thought about that i had small investments here and there and so when i quit my job i had no idea where my paycheck was coming from yeah mm. and it was like okay cool i i know i want to do this i'm not sure how i'm going to do this i have no clients um, I also have no money mm. um, because so I had a small pension and what I did is I cashed the pension out yeah. and I bought some photography gear mm. because I needed, <laughs> yeah. if I was going to become a photographer, I needed better gear. And, yeah. and so that's what I did. And um, so then it was, it was very scary. It was extremely scary. Mm. But I think once I crossed, it's, it's crazy because it's so scary that you, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. But once you just kind of like, once you've quit and you start, it's like, okay, cool. I'm in this now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. And you push and it just becomes like second nature. Yeah. I remember there were times. So when I started out that on Sundays, I had no idea where I was going to get, like where my next paycheck was coming from. Mm. So it was always a Sunday mm. and I'd be like, I have no jobs this week yet. Mm. But wake up Monday morning and there's an email or wow. there's a... And there's a DM saying like, mm -hmm. uh, are you available for that? I'm like, Whew. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so after a while, I was like, I just kind of like started to learn to breathe a little bit about it and like mm. not stress out because I, you just, you, you have to have faith that the work that you're doing is yes. good enough for people to want to use you. Absolutely. Yeah. I could not agree with that. Agree with that more. Um, 
kind of leading on from that, I suppose, like at what point did you start actually considering yourself a professional photographer? So as soon as that happens, I will let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Still not there yet. (laughs) Look, I I think it's a case, I mean, I still feel like I'm I'm suffering from imposter syndrome. Mm. I still feel... It's a huge thing in the creative field. <laughs> I still feel like, because sometimes I'm not sure what I'm doing. Yeah. And it kind of works out. Yeah. And I'm like, that was awesome. I'm just really glad it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look, there, there are times when I know exactly what I'm doing. And it's like, mm. I can do this in my sleep. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's how I do this. That's how I do this. But there are times that I have no idea. So it's like... In, in on some days I'm a f- professional, some days I'm an amateur. Um, some days I'm a professional, and yeah. some days I'm an amateur. That's a great way of looking at it, actually. Interesting. Yeah, I, I I relate a lot to that actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, because like in some areas I do feel like the I've proved myself with my competency. Right, it's something I've done a million times over. I can tell someone else how to do it in my sleep. That's when I know like that it's like it's working. But then sometimes I'll even be like teaching someone how to do something. And I'm like, I learned how to do this last week. <laughs> and then I start being like, oh, yeah, see, this this is what this means. You're actually like not up to scratch, you know, like yeah. the imposter syndrome thing is real for creative people. No, absolutely. And, and I think you, you kind of have to make peace with it. Yeah. You, you, as long as you know that you're going to feel like that and you're just kind of like, okay, cool. I'm going to lie down in this sea of imposterisms mm. um yeah so i'm just making up my own words um i'm gonna lie down in the sea and i'm just gonna like enjoy it and just go with it let the tide just take me where it takes me yeah yeah that's yeah just accept it it is a, it is a part of the the creative process i think largely i mean as we mentioned at the beginning and like we said this is a very big deal you are of course a fujifilm ambassador Woo! <laughs> such such a great brand i am such a fan of uh of their cameras i've always said like if i shot digital for my personal work like 100 percent fuji would be the brand that i'd be shooting with just really love their their products and you're not saying it because you're sitting opposite me. oh no genuinely not i i really like their cameras it it suits my my hipster aesthetic to a t <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah t- tell us the story about how this this partnership came about and then kind of leading on from that like what that meant for your photographic career yeah cool uh, so I was made a Fujifilm ambassador December last year. That's, oh, wow. that's when I was officially made. A, so I guess my relationship with Fuji started about, I'd mm-hmm. say, five years ago. I was working on a film at the time. I was shooting with uh, a different brand. And what happens with those cameras is when you click them at the time, at, the, at that point, it was like click. It sounded like a gunshot mm. on set, which was distracting to the actors. It was horrible for me because I wanted to be inconspicuous. I just wanted to grab the shots. And I wanted to be as professional as I could be, but I couldn't be because I had to wait for them to either do a rehearsal take mm-hmm. or they need to be shooting outside where I could kind of shoot from a distance and get the shots because they couldn't hear me. Yeah. So Fuji came to me and said, well, we have this camera that when you press this button, the shutter goes silent. And I was like, shut the front door. <laughs> and they gave the camera to me and I thought, okay, fine. I'll give it a go, put it on, shot a little bit, and I compared it with my camera I was shooting with at the mm-hmm. time. The color replication was insane. It is, yeah. It was insane. And I was like, wait, 
these are the same images. Why do they look so different? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, it's something interesting here. And I took it onto set and I started shooting with it. Turned the shutter down. And I was getting so many more images from from, mm. a, from a set than I would be when I was shooting with the other brand. Yeah. And so it, it, was, it became a no-brainer because by the time I finished the shoot, I was like, Cool. Uh, yeah, I need to. I need, I'm. I'm swapping. This is. I'm. I'm. I'm sold. I'm done. Yeah. And I moved over to Fuji, uh, from there, and I've been shooting ever since. Recommending ever since. Mm. Um. And I've had, uh, events with them. So it. It. There's been a relationship. Mm. Um. And it's kind of been made official. Uh. In December. So it's. It's a case of what I like about the brand is they don't bring you on because, well. Like the poach, you like, come and shoot with us mm. and we give you a camera. They're mm-hmm. like, we can see that you love it. Mm-hmm. And so therefore we want to just show our love to you. Yeah. And, and that's kind of it. So it, it's, it was, it was great. And, and it's, it's nice to be officially kind of recognized by mm. a camera brand to say that, you know what, your, your work is, we feel like your work represents our, our principles and, and, our, and values. our values mm. as a, as a, as a company. So it's, it's really great. And it's. In terms of helping my career, mm. it does help when Lindsay Polis, ex-photographer, yeah. is is part of my title. It's like stamp of approval, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been it's been great. It's been um, and it's it's also it's opened up a lot of conversations with many different uh, uh, organizations, such as oh, mm, there we go. <laughs> um, so this obviously was like five years ago. So so what camera did Fuji Fuji give you to shoot on? It was the XT two at the time. Mm, so XT two. Wow. So yeah, because it's so like the XT two for me was revolutionary because I I had been to a Fuji event with an XT XT one, which mm. was a great camera. Um, you could feel that this was a camera where they're trying to feel the market out and they were like, cool, yeah. this is kind of where we want to go. And when the X-T2 came out, it was a monster of a camera. And I mm. still, I still to this day, I have my X-T2. Really? Yeah. It's just, I, I, I can't part with it because I just feel like it's, I have sentimental mm. value. It has sentimental value to me. Yeah. hundred percent X-T2. Wow. It sounds like, I mean, now what, what X-T4? Four. Yeah. So like two generations two generations ahead. So, I mean, I obviously, when doing research for this, I, I went and looked at your bio on Fuji's, uh, Fujifilm's website. I, yeah, basically for a podcast host, your job is <laughs> professional stalker. Oh, wow. Essentially. <laughs> That's not weird at all. No, not at all. But, um, so obviously you, you've traveled quite a bit. I yes. mean, you mentioned Tanzania before, and uh, I know you've gone to Japan, etc. Um, so I have two travel slash photography related questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being, where is somewhere you've gone before that you would love to return to and why? And then the second is kind of the opposite. Where is somewhere you haven't gone yet that you would love to travel to and why? That's a really tough question. Yeah. I've got to pick oh. one for each. Sorry. <laughs> oh, like really only one? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, you're the worst. I know. I know. Okay, so when you said Japan, yeah, it kind of has to be Japan. Mm. Um, out of all the places I've traveled, uh, it, it's visually the most like interesting, yeah. like because the it, it's what what I really loved about it is that you step fifty years into the future, mm. but there's like the slight dystopic feel to what things look like still. Yeah. So it's not like everything's ultra like modern, like they still have. Like 
there's still grime in the city. Mm. And so that looks very interesting. Mm. But everything is very futuristic in it. Yeah. So it was just this, it's like, it's the perfect combination mm. of things for me. I would like to go back. Actually, I am going back. Amazing. Yeah. So like, now that you're saying, because we, we've, um, we, we do love, like my family loves to travel. Mm. And um, we are, we've decided that our next destination is Tokyo. Incredible. And it, it, it's one, because I want to go back there. Mm -hmm. uh, and because two, my son um, is obsessed with anime oh yes aren't we all <laughs> yeah so we, we so yeah so he's kind of like it's time for him to go and he's like yeah he needs to go i'm like yes we're gonna we're gonna go so that would be his first time in japan then yeah oh yeah. that's exciting wow. yeah I'm, I'm 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 more excited for him than i am for you know as, as a parent it's like mm. it's just it's like you want to see your kids enjoy things mm. and so to take him there and to see him lose his mind mm. um is going to be great just as an interesting little side story um, so the, I had a, a, a friend who's a, who is a, is a Japanese photographer. He's, mm. He was down in Cape Town for a little bit and he, um, so he lives in Tokyo. And so he came to my house, um, and Ben met him. Ben is my son. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, he completely lost his mind cause he's oh. like, I met someone from Japan. Oh my God, dad, <laughs> I met someone from Japan. I can't believe it. I'm like, he's a, you do know he's a normal just dude. A right? He's just a normal, he's a normal dude. <laughs> But he's like, yeah, but he's from Japan. I'm like, just calm down. <laughs> so, so just that alone was kind mm. of like, yeah, okay, cool. And mm. then the place I think I would like to go that I've not been to is probably Iceland. Oh, I mean, yes. Um, it's been on like my list of places to go um, for a while. Mm. And at some point I probably will go. It's just it like, uh, but it's a place I do want to go that I've not been because yeah. I, I think it's like very interesting. It is visually very striking, like in a completely different way to Japan. Yeah. You know, those. I'm just thinking Iceland, I immediately think like really blue water, yeah. ice caps, I yeah. think black beaches. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because I think I've just watched one too many nowness uh, yes. videos. I love that you mentioned nowness. You're like probably the first person I've ever met that's just casually dropped that YouTube <laughs> channel's name. It's like... <laughs> Such well, I mean, it's such a part of our, our cult, uh, like uh, uh, the world's culture, mm. I'd say, because it's everywhere. Like, you yeah. know, it's so. Yeah, it's a great. It's influenced, it influenced a lot of what I, how I see things as mm. well. I love watching their short films and things mm. that they put up on there. It's always so Absolutely. interesting. Yeah, 100%. Um, so we would be completely remiss to be having a conversation with you uh, about your work and everything without mentioning your Instagram, which I think is incredibly varied in its content and just really gorgeous. Um, and I have two questions for you about that. The first, <laughs> I love asking people about their Instagram handles. I feel like there's <laughs> always a story. So I really, I think yours is super catchy and I want to know, like, is there a story behind there? Is it just something random? What's, what's the deal? No, there's absolutely a story. Yes. Um, so my surname mm -hmm. is Apollos. Yes. Okay, cool. So that's the first part, the app part. Mm -hmm. And then there was, in the 90s, there was this pirater. Napster. Napster. Oh, my And so goodness. I basically pirated a pirater. <laughs> and so uh, one of my friends used to call me Appy as mm. well. And so it's like, when I heard app and I heard, and, and it's like, somewhere I just like, Appster, yeah, mm. that sounds like a vibe. It does. And, it, and it, exactly, it's because it sounded so catchy and because I grew up in that Napster time yeah. where that was like such a big name. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like I'm going to pirate this dude's name. Because he was pirating everything, so I'm going to pirate <laughs> his name. 
Um, so that's kind of where <laughs> where Appster came from. It's it's a fantastic it's fantastic from a brand perspective, I must say. Exactly like that catchiness. I always remember it immediately. <laughs> so it's like... well, you know, it's funny is that because people actually call me Appster. Really? Yeah, it, it, because I, I I've met so many people on Instagram mm. that don't know me in real life. Yeah, they have never met me, and if they do meet me, they're like, "Hi, Appster." Oh wow! Yeah, they like address you by your handle. They they. People don't, some people don't call me by my name. They call me Epster. Wow. Oh my God. So, okay. So it's like created in a digital sphere and it's now transitioned into like yeah. real life. Yeah. <laughs> and so meta. Um, so then uh, obviously we've, we've gone through your Instagram and it's, it's really clear from the images that you posted that like dance as a sort of theme and a subject matter um, and dances feature very, very strongly in your portfolio. And um, as someone who also has, I've got a background in dance, I'd really love for you to kind of elaborate a bit on this connection and why you love photographing dance so much. Dance is dance on my Instagram? Isn't it? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Only like every second photo. <laughs> uh, well, so I have a history with dance as well. Mm -hmm. So... When I was 11 years old, mm. I was a break dancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. So um, I was a pop and locker um, and I would do battles and competitions uh, until I was about 19 years old. Mm. And then my now wife, who was a ballet dancer, said to me, listen, we have these contemporary classes at our dance school and we're looking for a guy. Do you want to come and dance with mm. us? I was like, well... I mean, I dance every day, mm -hmm. so I might as well just go and try this out. Yeah. And so what I would, was doing at the time was they were creating works and they were adding my breakdance into the pieces. Oh, wow. And so I, they would do like sort of ballet stuff and I'd do some breakdance stuff. Mm. Um, and I, I really enjoyed creating with them. Mm. And then I also loved doing the contemporary dance classes. And yeah. so then I became... From from a break dance, I became a contemporary dancer, mm -hmm. and so I did that for another ten years or so. Sure, yeah, and and that's and so the love for dance has always existed, and I think it's helped a lot in how I how I photograph dance yeah. because I have an understanding of I was going to ask of the body's movement, and I can anticipate and I know what it's going to do, and I can speak the language. Mm. Um, so it, it's helped tremendously in that. And so when, when I work with dancers, we kind of just, we click mm. and, we, and we can do it and we can shoot and we can create. Got that shared visual language in a way. Yeah. yeah. And so I know, I know for any movement, what the apex of that movement should look like, mm -hmm. essentially. And oftentimes dancers hate um, how their feet are photographed because mm. feet are such an important thing and how they translate. And mm. so I can see when feet are good or bad mm. and i can tell them and i guess i can also tell them cool this is what it's doing and this is what you need to be doing to make it look good on photo oh wow yeah so yeah. i guess that's the difference in that also when i see their body moving i can i know what the feeling is and i can mm. kind of trans i can translate that for them uh for the photo and what it means for their body to and how it should be moving yeah so that feeling that you have when you're in the dance moment is conveyed effectively in the exactly. way that the image is captured so important there we go yeah because often it feels completely different to how it looks it, exactly yeah it's like you you feel so epic and then like you look at the photo and you're like mm, mm, it's, <laughs> it's not how it feels <laughs> Because you, you sometimes you feel like you've jumped like yeah. five meters above the ground, yeah. and the photo does not 
translate. No, it doesn't. But I mean, that is, that's something I can say of your work. I definitely noted. Obviously, my background's a little different. It's in ballroom and Latin dance. Ooh, spicy. Ooh, I so, know. So tell us a little bit, how long did you dance? Ooh, um, from age 14 to about 21. Oh, nice. Yeah. And competed as well? Um, no, mainly like... My brother and I were preparing to compete at one point. We were partnered together. Um, and then we couldn't keep up with the schoolwork and, oh, wow. and the dance classes at the same time. But it was, yeah, something that is so much fun. And I can't wait to start doing it again when I have more time. Um, so while while your Instagram obviously features dance very strongly, um, your your portfolio in its entirety is actually extraordinarily varied, I would say. <laughs> um, I mean, you've explored film, you know, I see street photography stuff. I know that you work in the sort of commercial advertising sort of space, as well as then the dance and performance side, fine art, all of that. I mean, how did you branch out into all of these different like photographic avenues? Like what did you kind of start with? And then, you know, what maybe has been like the latest addition to your portfolio in terms of genre? Okay. So styles, I wanted to do photography mm. and I wanted to do all of it. Mm. That's what it came down to. Uh, I, I'll have to go back again to when I was working Yeah. and me absolutely hating what I was doing. Mm. And I never, ever wanted to feel like that again yeah. when I started photography. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy this. And I opened my wings up as wide as I could and I flew mm. as high as I could mm. um, so that I could just explore every possible avenue. I could shoot everything. I just really want to enjoy the thing that I do. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the thing that scares me is potentially being pigeonholed into one very specific thing and yeah. then that becoming a job and I'm only going to be shooting that thing for the rest of my life, which, mm. I, 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 which I can't do because I, I really do love photography mm. um, in its broadest possible spectrum i love photography and so i will forever make sure that i can shoot as many different things as i can i will always try whatever mm. so if if a client says to me can you do this yes i can just take it on yes i can <laughs> as scary as I, it, it might be at the time when i say yes mm. it's like I, I, I now I think I have a base understanding of how to do most things. Yeah. And I can translate that into whatever form of photography needs to. And mm -hmm. there's, there's, I also now have a much broader network of photographers I can lean on. Mm. If I need to learn to do something, there's, there's other friends I can. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the newest for me would probably be more kind of still life stuff. Mm. Because I often, I'm sh because I shoot movement a lot. My, my brain is like that. It's kind of moving all the time. Mm -hmm. Is kind of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so with still life, it's kind of a lot quieter. Mm. Kind of like place things, take a moment, make sure light's right. Okay, cool is it there? Because you essentially need one shot. Yeah. And for me, it's the strangest thing. It's like, click, got it. Yeah. Huh? What? <laughs> what? What? Is that it? What is that it? Mm. Wait, isn't there more? Comic kind of like... And so it, it's the, the thing that I've, um, and I'm, I'm working a lot more on now because mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I am enjoying it because it's, I guess it's closest to kind of shooting film yes. for me. Yeah, meditative in a weird way. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. so, and so it's a thing I'm enjoying when I have the time to do it. Mm. Um, and at some point I might even take on some clients. Wow. Mm -hmm. Just add it, add it to the portfolio. <laughs> 
<laughs> along with the, the string a string of other things. Um, that's a very interesting perspective. I think maybe for me, because I work with a lot of photographers who decided to be specialists, I suppose, in like certain or one area. Like my, my best friend is like exclusive, like lifestyle photographer for women's brands, basically only. And that is like everything that she does. So it's so interesting to see like someone tackling it from a completely different perspective where like versatility and like the freedom to express in multiple different genres is such a priority so, so what i can say about that for me is because i've branched out into so many different things they all influence each other amazing yeah so because i shoot cinematically that influences all the work i yes. do when i shoot the different things i see things differently because i've shot the different things yeah if that makes sense it does make sense it gives you a different perspective so you come at things from a different angle maybe than like someone who's a specialist would because you've got that broad range of experience yeah yeah and so for me, it's, it's, it's an ever-evolving thing, mm. um, and I'm learning all the time. And I guess that also comes back to that whole imposter thing, mm. in that because you're learning all the time, you feel like, I'm, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Because, you're, because I'm learning all the time, I oftentimes feel like I'm not good enough. Mm. But I, I will keep learning for the rest of my life if I can, mm. uh, because I, I do enjoy finding new things, finding new ways of, of, of shooting. Because if you go, if you look through my... Uh, Insta page. Mm. I mean, good luck going through all of that. <laughs> um, you can you can see there's like I have phases. I've gone through so mm. many phases. Yeah. Um, and they keep changing and they keep evolving. We'll continue unpacking this topic in a hot minute. But first, we need to give a big shout out to Orms, without whom this wonderful podcast would not be possible. Orms is a cornerstone of the creative community in South Africa, offering industry-leading support, the latest gear, world-class display options, and unique educational opportunities for photographers, artists, and visual creatives, both locally and internationally. As always, you can find out everything you need to know by visiting ormsdirect.co.za or any of the links under the What We Do header in the show notes for this episode. Now let's get back to the discussion. Kind of touching on your varied photographic styles, um, out of these sort of genres that you've, you've experimented in and like branched out into, which would be the one that comes most naturally to you? And which is the one that you had to work the hardest, the most difficult at to kind of grasp? So I started shooting my kids, mm. my, my son, my first son, at the time I, I was shooting him and I think that kind of behind the scenes mm. in the moment street photography stuff was the most natural thing for me to do yeah because I watched a lot of tv as a kid mm. I watched a lot of tv and so because I watched people I studied them mm. I subconsciously studied them mm -hmm. I wasn't aware I was doing it but I was studying people a lot. And so I, I, I would watch people wherever I went, whatever I was doing. And so that, I think, was the most natural form of photography for me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also where I found the most joy initially in my career as a behind-the-scenes photographer. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so I think that was kind of the easiest. And, and if I think about the most difficult, again, the most difficult would be where things are not moving, where it's like still. So architecture yeah. was 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 uh, quite a struggle initially for me, mm -hmm. um, because I had to make sure every single line in the shot was in place, mm. like the, the horizons were good. Where, because if you think about with the people, it's emotion. Yes, that carries it. Yeah. 
it's not technical necessarily. Yeah, so it's it's becoming a, an, a, a, exactly. So I guess mm. for me, being a a, a photographer on feeling mm. was what I was was really good at and was the easiest thing for me to do. But being a technical photographer was extremely difficult yeah. because I had no understanding or knowledge of the technical stuff when I was starting out. Mm. That would make a lot of sense to me as well. Like I also with my, when I photograph, if I can ride on the emotion of something, it's a lot easier, but don't ask me to be super technical. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a case of it's over time, I guess, that I've learned to become a lot more technical in what I do. Mm. Um, and it's, it's again, trial and error, just understanding what things mean when you do them. Mm. So something that I've observed from your work, because obviously I've, I've looked at a lot now before the recording, but we also did a workshop together a few months ago, which people, people might not be aware of. And I was exposed to your work a lot then. And something that I've kind of noticed is that regardless of what genre you're kind of experimenting in and expressing yourself in, your very personal sense of style and aesthetics always comes across very strongly. And I think it is kind of something we've touched on a little bit with like the cinematic sort of aspect to everything. Um, you know, what What have been maybe some of your biggest creative influences over the years that have played into the development of your photographic eye? Was it mainly just the cinematic uh, sort of stuff you were exposed to earlier on? Or has there been anything maybe more recently that shaped that for you? It definitely, absolutely has been the more cinematic stuff. Yeah. So if I have to go back to my child, so where we were growing up, we weren't exposed to much mm -hmm. uh, in that our libraries didn't have any books on photography. Our schools, mm. not a chance, nothing. There was no art program at schools, nothing at all. Yeah. Um, so th there wasn't much exposure. So the only exposure I got was through watching um, movies. Mm. And so I guess my biggest influences were the directors and the cinematographers on movies at the time as, as, as a child. Mm. And it's only obviously later on in my life that when I started shooting and wanted to understand more that I was looking at what other photographers were doing. So what I was doing was looking at who is the best photographers at their genres mm. and comparing my work to theirs. And I know that's a ludicrous thing to do. Mm -mm. I don't think so. But, but it, it, at the time I was like, I want my work to be as good as theirs. Mm. If it's not there, then it's absolute crap yeah and, and as hard as it was on myself like i wanted to get it there and so and i still to do this day look at like what is the kind of like epitome of mm. the, the craft that i'm working in and i need my work to get to that level mm. and, and i feel like i'm still edging towards that still getting there still pushing towards that mm -hmm. and it's going to be a while to get there but i hold myself to a higher standard so that my work is always of a good standard mm, mm. i think that's really really valuable um in terms of um movies and i'm going to be asking you to go so way way back here but can you like cherry pick any like specific ones that maybe really stood out to you ones that were super significant star wars star wars star wars, <laughs> star wars. i mean i feel like that just defined like a generation of creatives basically yeah star wars <laughs> well so 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 a lot of fantasy stuff like Star Wars mm. and Willow. And mm. So there's a never-ending story. Yes. All of those things. And I was a fantasy I was a fantasy kid and I mm. loved that. Star Wars, interestingly, so much so that my son Ben is named after Obi-Wan Kenobi. I love that. That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> my children would not stand a chance if I ever had kids. They would have just... <laughs> yeah, what? Come, what, what, what? Ooh, um... I, 
Killian is a great name. Captain Hook's name is apparently Killian. So oh, okay. there's that. Uh, oh, this is just revealing all of the trash TV that I've watched. But uh, Blair, I love the name Blair <laughs> and Spencer because I had a whole phase with Pretty Little Liars and Gossip oh, Girl. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. It's not even like at least yours is kind of classy and classic. And then there's just me with Spencer Blair. Well, um, well look, <laughs> I am kind of old, so... So you're going to have that sort of classier, sort of well, timeless age. Just, oh, yeah, because I mean, like, I'm an, eight, I'm an 80s kid, so... Yeah, so it would it would be more of a throwback. Mm. Oh, my word. Oh, here we come with the impossible questions. I am the worst, as we established before. Um, if you had to limit yourself to creating within the confines of a single photographic genre, <laughs> which which one would you pick? Did you not? Just mm. listen to me tell mm-hmm. you that entire story mm. about me shooting. Yeah, I did. I did. <sighs> yes. I can get, maybe I can give you two. Okay, no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it, it would be don'ts. Yeah. It would be don'ts. I mean, y- you can see from my yeah. portfolio of work the love I have for it. it. It's, I have a love for dance and it's, it's been through with my entire life and mm. I, I will keep shooting dance. As long as I possibly can. So it's definitely going to be that. Yeah. I suppose and there is a, a semblance of variety that you could get within that. There's so many different genres of dance yeah. as well. So yeah. there yeah. we go. Yeah. I mean, that, that was my loophole there. I was like, I'm telling a dance, but I, like she must also know that I can do a, like a million things with dance. Exactly. <laughs> um, speaking more specifically about... Um, you know, the, these genres that you've kind of explored. Um, you, you've been the stills production photographer on several very prestigious South African productions. Uh, two that come to mind, of course, are Numo Skuli and then uh, Blood and Water more recently, I believe, is also listed under your portfolio there. Yes. Um, so for those who kind of don't know, would you be able to kind of elaborate on, you know, what the role of a stills production photographer is? Like what day in the life, what did, would that car, like kind of look like uh, if you were in that position in a production? So, you know, the fly on the wall? Yeah. That's you. That's it. Just capturing everything that goes on. So what's really cool about my job is, so I will go in and and meet with the director and the producer. Mm -hmm. Cool. This is who they are. This is their vision that they have. And then they they generally don't, like, what I've experienced is that there hasn't been sort of a set number of things that they need. So let's say they need some poster images and they need some publicity stills. That's set out on its own. That's a different shoot completely. Mm-hmm. But as a behind-the-scenes photographer, you kind of go on set and you capture the day as, as it unfolds. Yeah. And which is really, really, it's a really great job. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I really enjoy it because part of it is I'm not part of the crew in that I have a function on the day of shooting. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of just stand back and watch everything unfold. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything kind of crazy going down, I'm not part of that. <laughs> just capturing the I'm just craziness. Capturing, I'm capturing the craziness. <laughs> so I, I see all of this unfolding in front of me and I'm, I'm capturing it. And what is nice is I get to interact with the actors mm. and the crew. And so I, I, I get to experience that world uh, from from the inside, but from the outside. Mm. So it's a really, really, really great job. And and kind of my time is I, I, des- I design my day on sets because I don't have to be there for everything. Yeah. Not everything makes sense. So we kind of design when I'm in and out. So I'm not I'm not necessarily there for a full day from okay. for the twelve hour shoot. I only need maybe maybe need to be there for four hours or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I get the best of of 
of that world. Yeah. Um, and I, I still kind of can exist as a normal human being because anybody who knows the film industry knows that it's, a, it's a really tough and yeah. it's long hours and you are a zombie by the end of the, of the shoot. So, mm. so, yeah, so if I want to go through my day, it, it's um, I get on set, I kind of show my face, I sit down a little bit, and very importantly... I talk to people. Yeah. It's it, it's extremely important for me to be able to build relationships with the various parties um, so that, because I sometimes need to get next to the to the, the, the DOP. Mm. And so the first AD needs to know me because like they're not going to let some random dude just come and stand next to the DOP that could potentially mess up the shot. Mm. So I need to build up these relationships with people on set. So that's an important thing is that you need to kind of develop that skill mm -hmm. where you are able to talk to people and build rapport with them quite quickly so that they will allow you to be in the spaces. Because even though the images are important on the day, it's it means nothing to them. Yeah. And so if they can understand your importance because you've built that relationship with them, mm. then you get you can get the stuff that you need. If you are kind of just trying to bully your way through there, it's going to be a very rough mm. uh, experience for you. Mm, mm. I can imagine. It's so it's so fascinating to me. I always like was like wondering where these images would come from. And I'm like, of course there's someone taking photos there, but it's like <laughs> it's like being like shooting a wedding basically, but like every single day for like four to five hours. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, because sometimes sometimes you are required to be on set for the full day. Yeah. And you you you're there twelve hours and sure. you and you you die with the crew. You're tired <laughs> with it, but you you're there. Yeah. That is, it's very very fascinating to me. Oh, and and mm. also what's what what's really cool is I get to I oftentimes get to work with the actors, uh, post the shoot so mm. like I'm, we, like we become really good friends um and i often shoot with you know the actors um outside of that and i've shot some really cool stuff with many of them mm. which has been really great so it's like a fantastic so like fantastic sort of networking mm. kind of opportunity that is exceptionally cool um so then obviously i mean i mentioned those two perhaps very very notable productions before that you've been involved in in that capacity so i mean how did you become connected with the Numaiskoli production and then, of course, um, Blood and Water. When I started working in photography, I knew that I wanted to shoot kind of behind-the-scenes mm. type of things. I really enjoyed that kind of stuff because of the street photography for shooting. You know? yeah. And that looked like the most kind of lucrative way of transferring my skill to something that I could make money from mm. um, at, the point, at, that, at that point. And um, so some friends of mine had started a production company called Gambit Films and they were shooting like small ads at the time and they didn't have a behind the scenes photographer on the ads because they didn't need one um, because they weren't using it for anything. Mm. And But I said to them, look guys, I will come on board and shoot for nothing. Yeah. I just need the experience. I need to be able to understand what works, what doesn't work. Um, and so I started shooting on their ads for them for free. And then at some point, the client uh, who, who they were shooting with said, well, we actually need some still images. Mm. So I'd, I'd been working with Gambit for a while. Yeah. And then I I got onto a production of Numa Scully through another friend of mine, um, Warren Gray, who was the production manager on it. And he said, mm. they're looking for, for a photographer who understands colored culture. I was like, well, mm. that happens to be me. <laughs> um, and so he brought me on board. And 
And so I was on board in that. And then one of my friends, Darren Joshua, was a director at Gambit Films, also was brought on board onto the project. So mm. it was a it was a nice kind of mix of people that knew each other, that knew the culture, that understood the story. And I think it was important because we, we wanted to do the the, 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 the story justice. Mm. And and so it was nice to kind of work on that. And that's how I got on to um, Numa Scully. Mm. And then with uh, Blood and Water, it was because of my relationship with the yeah. Gambit people. So I've been working with them since mm. the beginning of time. And when Blood and Water came around, they were like, Lindsay, you're, here you go. You're our person. Yeah, you're our person. So, <laughs> so here we go. Because I've done, I've done quite a few productions with them mm. uh, specifically. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely like that sort of loyalty aspect, I feel like, in the film industry. It's like who you know and like what you've worked on very much. Yeah, yeah and, and, and you have to be good. And you have to be good. And this is also important. You have to, you have to know the camera things and <laughs> that consistency that we spoke about right at the beginning. Yeah, because look, I think it's also a case of, you 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 have an in um, to to a whatever it is, mm. but you you know as as the years go on, your your levels have to inc- like you have to get better at what you yeah. do as well because the quality of things increase or, or gets better, and yes. so therefore you also have to get better. You have to keep up. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking about keeping up and and all of the things, uh, of course, with us being Orms, we have to ask you about your gear. It's kind of like kind of like a must at this point you guys are rude that's rude don't ask me about my gear <laughs> um so obviously uh being being a fuji film ambassador it's a no-brainer you shoot on fuji but uh, i'd like to know you know what it is about fuji gear specifically that gels so well with the like way that you create images where's where's the connection there for you so i'm quite a snappy dresser <laughs> and because of that, I need my gear to look as snappy as me. Yeah. And Fuji film cameras are as snappy as they come. I mean, this you. True. Right? I said so at the beginning. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and so it's it starts with the aesthetic of the camera for me. Mm. When you look at it, it's like that is one interesting looking camera yeah. because it looks like an old old film camera, and and so. That has started so many conversations with people for me mm. already. I've actually made work connections because of purely how my camera looks. Yeah. So that's where it starts. Then it's the the dials on the camera that are functional. Mm. And so for me, like making all my changes on my camera, not having to look in my viewfinder to fix anything. Yeah. Very minimally doing that. So I can change everything on my camera when if I need to. Mm. So it's just like it, it's changed my life, mm. the way I shoot and how I can how quickly I can change my uh, settings on my camera. And then the like I said earlier on the color replication is it's incredible. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean like it doesn't compare. No, it, <laughs> like you, you shoot and it's like when I'm done shooting and I look at the images, I think to myself, this looks kind of what I want. Yeah. Am I am I weird here? Mm. Am I? Is this, I don't know what's going on, but this is what I want. Mm. And so it, it's kind of like learning to accept that you know the the the, the color replication is that good with Fuji. Yeah, that uh, has been the thing for me. But that's essentially you know. Yeah, out of camera, it, they have some of the strongest profiles that I've ever seen. I, mm. I love experimenting with the film simulation modes. Ooh. It's oh so much fun. Those film simulations are. 
phenomenal. Yeah, it's it, and yeah, the the button thing, the tactile dials, and the fact that they're dedicated to certain functions. I mean, obviously, me being a film photographer, I, I really strongly gravitate towards that. I I get where you're going with it a hundred percent. But yeah, t- tell us what like what what gear are you currently shooting on at the moment? Like, what's what's sort of in your in your kit that you you go for? So the joys of being a Fujifilm ambassador <laughs> means that in terms of gear, I've been shooting with an XC2, XC3 um, for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have a full range of lenses for that. So I've got the 35mm 1.4, 56mm 1.2, 15, 65 f2.8, 51, 40 f2.8, 62, I've got the 90 F2, and I've got the 16mm 1.4. That is a full range of lenses. In saying that, I've also now had exposure to so many other lenses, Mm. so many other cameras. I've been shooting with the JFX 100 Mm. and 100S for a while now. How do you find those? craziness right it is insane Mm. so so with the 100 which is the bigger body yes it's chunky it's like you know it's it's a very powerful camera you can feel that yeah um and it produces ridiculous crazy ridiculous images Mm. and then i've been shooting with the 100s which essentially is slightly bigger than a dslr Mm. and you get 102 megapixels in this body. That is insane. It is in because you could you could actually do street photography with it if you really wanted to. Yeah, you could, and then you got that <laughs> that crazy image quality. It's like I'm like, how is that even possible? I know, right? <laughs> I know. And so, so having access to all of those cameras and shooting with them has been mm. life changing for me mm. because I, I I I now can experience you know. Everything that Fuji has to offer. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, if you had to pick one camera and then one lens for your sort of professional work and then one camera and one lens for maybe like more personal projects, maybe daily shooting, carrying around with you, which combos would you choose? Personally, I would go XD4, mm. 35mm 1.4. Classic. Yeah, very solid combination. Yeah, because it's it's... Uh, I grew up walking my focal lengths, mm. um, so I, I, I I'm not a zoomer. Yeah, uh, I like to kind of like put a lens on and walk wherever I need to kind of like. Mm. So it's definitely going to be a XT4, 35, one before, and then for work, I mean, if I could get away with it, mm. it would be the 100s and the 18 1.7. Sure. It's a very strong combination with a very distinct sort of outcome that you'd get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I fully agree with the 35 more prime. I mean, that's my best as well for shooting film. You know, walk the distance rather. It, it, it's more rewarding, I suppose, eventually when you get the shot that you want rather than just like me and just zoom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 It, it just, yeah, it just feels, and you're right, it to me, it, it just feels a lot more rewarding once mm. you've like you've gotten the thing that you wanted out of it. Yeah, and you, and you get the exact perspective that you want because you're not like changing your depth of field or necessary anything like that because you're zooming. It's like it looks how you want it to. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. That is all the questions that I have for you. No, no, we've been here for a full hour and eleven minutes. Can you believe it? <laughs> you are serious. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, genuinely. Oh, wow. It's a lot of talking. <laughs> it's a lot of talking. But it went it went super smoothly. Um, yeah, thank you for coming in. It's been wonderful to chat to you and get to know a little bit more about you and your photographic journey and all of the various styles that you <laughs> that you've explored. Thanks for having me. <laughs>